Miracy. So uh, you can reduce anxiety in your home by reducing the amount of things in your home. Your home should be a haven from the stressful world. Yeah. That feels so Buddhist when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah, it seeps in there a little bit. <laughs> Hello, I'm Katie Valentine, and you're listening to Soul Savvy Business. I'm a soul-minded spiritual entrepreneur, a Christian minister, and a New Testament scholar. Don't let any of that scare you. I support all paths to the divine, and I use tools like chakras, dreams, and intuition to get there. On this podcast, we explore the intersection of business and spirituality. What do I mean by that? Too often, we separate our business selves from our spiritual selves. But in doing that, we don't leverage the full potential of either one. This podcast aims to help you fall in love with your own soul so that you can live your most fulfilling and successful life. On today's episode, I'll be talking with a business owner, blogger, and organizational expert. But first. In every episode, I offer a tip around abundance and your spiritual journey. Today's tip is about serving from a glass that is full. I was reminded of this recently when I sensed that I was headed for exhaustion. A combination of travel and exciting deadlines had me working a bit more on the weekends and into evenings than usual. As entrepreneurs, we're always going to have those ideas flowing and tasks that are on our desk. But abundance doesn't love to come to exhausted entrepreneurs who are dragging their feet through the sand just to get through it all. So a little reminder and a tip and this is tied directly to your abundance, that you do have to enjoy life for abundance to come to you with greater ease. If you work really hard, but you're too exhausted to enjoy the abundance that you've co-created, you know, what's the point? Make sure that you do have your awesome boundaries for your time so that you can serve from a glass that's filled and do take weekends and evenings away as much as possible. My guest today is Maria Grove. Maria is a certified professional home organizer and a busy wife and mother. She knows firsthand the frustration of the chaos clutter cycle and the relief of finding sustainable solutions for an organized life. Welcome to the show, Maria. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, I'm so curious if anything resonated with you on today's tip of serving from a glass that's half full. Absolutely. You know, um, that's how I came to my business. I uh, was in a career in nonprofits for over 10 years, and I was burned out. And I was serving from a very empty glass, and I wasn't really serving the nonprofits anymore. I wasn't finding joy in it anymore, and I wasn't really joyful in my home. And so I said, something needs to change. And I had always been good at organizing, and I really got bitten by the entrepreneurial bug. And I said, that's it. I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to start my own business. And that's how it really got started. And so from there, abundance has just kind of followed me because I'm just so much happier. That's amazing. And 
you know, I worked in nonprofits, wonderful nonprofits, really, most of my life until I started my own business as well. And so many employees tend to get really, really burned out and exhausted. Well, you know, with nonprofits, it is passion work. So backing up, I was the caregiver to my mother who um, died from a brain tumor. And after my mother passed away, I threw myself into nonprofit work. And I worked with an organization called the Connecticut Brain Tumor Alliance in her honor. And I became the president of the board and I ran all their events. And I did this for five years, solidly. I was nonstop. And then I realized that I kept saying the word cancer every day. And I kept traumatizing myself every day and reminding myself of my mother's death by doing that work. And so I had to move on. You know, it was it was very difficult. So even though I was doing something in her honor, it wasn't really filling and serving me. Yeah. And what a beautiful kind of cycle that brought you to what you do now, which is helping people break their own cycles of clutter and of chaos. So I I know I can't wait to find out more about that as I look around the little piles on my floor as well. (laughs) But one thing I ask each guest is what word or words they use to describe what they consider to be the divine. So what is that for you? What do you call the divine? The divine? Um, So I'm a Buddhist. And so for me, the divine is enlightenment and bliss. And so that's why I named my business Bliss This House, um, because I'm trying to bring bliss and enlightenment to other people through contentment and calm and de-stressing through decluttering and organization. But for me, my divine, you know, is, is through meditation and ritual and enlightenment and study. For Buddhists in general, is there a word that's equivalent to like God, what we, what we might say in Abrahamic religions? Well, our divine teacher is Buddha, and then we have revered teachers through the generations who have brought different teachings. And then I have a resident teacher that I learn with who's pretty great. He is a, a, a Buddhist monk who I can sit with and have ecumenical conversations with and Dharma discussions with. So I think the word you're looking for might be teacher. Yeah, and I guess those are the humans, correct? Yes. Who are all working towards enlightenment, towards bliss together. I know some Buddhists might consider Buddhism a religion and some might not, might consider it a way of life or a philosophy. So for those that do consider it a religion... Is there an entity like God or a an energy or something along those lines? Or is it just a really different system? I'm not sure. I've only been a Buddhist for a few years. I'm still learning and I'm still growing and it's still a very personal practice. What I like about it is that there is a very earthly teacher. Buddha is teaching to solve the problems in the earth and amongst ourselves. I really just think it, you know, it's the concept of the teacher. Cool. Very cool. Thank you. Well, you you alluded to the fact that you've been a Buddhist now for a few years. So tell us a little bit about your spiritual religious upbringing and what that was like for you. So I was a Catholic. My mother went to a Catholic college. Her best friend was a nun. We vacationed with a priest. I went to a Jesuit college and wound up going to church every weekend and knowing the priests on campus very well. And then um, I 
graduated from college and I married someone who was not Catholic, but we decided to raise our children Catholic. Um, and um, the reason that I left the Catholic Church really has a lot to do with my mother. And, you know, there were there were chinks in the armor from the very beginning for me. But the major issue was that, um, you know, when my mother got sick and passed away, I really had a difficulty reconciling her illness with her religion. And I couldn't understand why God would have allowed someone who was so devoted and so religious to pass like that. It was an awful disease. Yeah. And so that was the beginning of the end for my Catholic journey for me. So what led you to Buddhism? Well, I was thinking about that and I knew you were going to ask me that question. (laughs) And I will be very honest with you and say that the earliest inclination of Buddhism in my life was the movie Seven Years in Tibet with Brad Pitt. Oh yeah, I remember that back in the day. So I watched the movie because Brad Pitt was in it. That's reasonable. But then (laughs) (laughs) there was something about the Buddhism in the movie that just connected with me. I actually just recently rewatched it and it, it held the same religious interest for me. I was fascinated by the ritual and everything. And so then I took some classes in college, some comparative religion classes in college, and it just kind of snowballed. And um, I started, after I left the Catholic Church, I started doing yoga and meditation, and I started doing some reading, and I just found my way to Buddhism. And it, it, it just seemed like it had always been calling me. And, you know, I will share that with Buddhism, uh, one of the, the biggest tenets of Buddhism is the Four Noble Truths. And the Four Noble Truths are you should know suffering, you should abandon origin, you should attain secession, and you should practice the path. And when I was working with my teacher on the Four Noble Truths recently, I realized that that was, the Four Noble Truths represent my leaving the Catholic Church and my joining the Buddhist faith. Because I have known suffering, the loss of my mother and some other trauma that I have known. I have abandoned my origin. I have abandoned the beginning faith that I was I practiced as a young person. I have attained secession from that religion and totally changed religions. And I am now practicing a different path. So I thought that the Four Noble Truths really resonated with me. And I continue to find things in Buddhism um, that match my worldview and my my experiences. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, in my journey, I would say that Buddhist philosophy has been a very warm companion to me, and especially readings on suffering. And I maybe started engaging with that sometime in my early 30s, I want to say. And the the reading I did on the Buddhist concept of suffering, I found very helpful because I felt less pinpointed by suffering, but more that this is part of the human condition and that there's tools to be able to encounter suffering. And for all the talk about Jesus having gone to study Buddhism in the East, I don't think any of that is, um, there's no indication of that in early Christian texts. That's kind of a a fabricated story from the mid 20th century. Um, But people see the similarities between the teachings of Jesus and some Buddhist teachings. Not that they're identical, but they're compatible. Yes, absolutely. 
There are a number of books and a number of scholars who have broken down the teachings of Jesus and the teaching of Buddha. And I like to think of them as friends in the religious department at the best college. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's great. I like that analogy. And um, for a while, I used the, uh, there was an edition by Marcus Borg and Thich Nhat Hanh on the sayings of Jesus and the sayings of Buddha and very simply laid out, I mean, just a few sentences on each page side by side. And I used that as a devotional for a while and found it very helpful. So I'll, I'll offer that out there for anyone who, who may be looking for something similar. And I'm hoping that maybe you can break down a few words for us. You mentioned the word Dharma earlier. Yes. Um, can you tell us what that is? So the Dharma is the teaching that Buddha um, gave to us. So when a teacher like my teacher gives us a teaching and discusses what Buddha said, he's imparting Dharma to us and it's wisdom. Okay. So it's not fact learning. It's kind of heart learning. Yeah, absolutely. Heart learning. Um, You know, with, um, so I go to a a Buddhist center locally and I, I go to a couple of classes a week and once a month, the resident teacher comes in from out of town, the monk, um, and he comes in and does a big teaching and that's very popular. And he, imparts some dharma to us and you know i always have my notebook and i take little snippets of what he says and i write them down and you know it's it's interesting i think if you were to look at all of our different notebooks all of the students because we all have notebooks we you know we all instinctively just bring our notebooks um we've all written down different things because different things resonate with us that he says and so we're all taking different things because of our life experiences because of just how we hear things. Um, So, you know, I think a a good teacher will impart the Dharma in different ways and try to teach it in different ways. So it does sit on your heart differently. Thank you. So Maria, tell us, have your spiritual or religious beliefs, either maybe when you were Catholic or then when you became Buddhist, influenced the way you think about money or abundance? That's interesting. I have never been very good with money because I've never been very good at math. Um, But I definitely have approached my business in a different way than my personal finances. And I'm now approaching my personal finances in the way that I approach my business because I found it so helpful. And so I think the way that I approach my business is from a growth mindset. Even when I wasn't getting any clients, I was still putting it out in the universe that this was a viable company and I was working hard um, and I was, you know, making ends meet. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I don't, I really don't think it has anything to do with my religious upbringing. I think it's more just my intention and, and how I've, set up the company and and maybe maybe it is maybe it is my buddhist intention um you know i'm a lot calmer as a buddhist um you know I'm definitely more go with the flow so maria tell us a little bit about your company what is bliss this house how did you get started and who is it that you serve so i offer in-home and virtual organizing services so i can pretty much work anywhere in the world If you want to put me on your computer and I can join you in your closet and help you organize your closet, we can work together. I help you declutter and organize your space so that you have less stress 
less stuff and more calm in your life. I have a system that I use and it's really easy to translate from closet to kitchen to toy room, you know, so we can do small projects, big projects. I usually work two hours at a time, you know, so you don't work longer than that because most of the time decluttering is very stressful for a lot of people and decision fatigue is real. Um, So, you know, and, and it's very hard. And so I don't want to stress people out. Um, I worked with a a client who was um, organizing clothes, old uh, baby clothes from previous children, and she was having her third child. And so she called me over and we were organizing um, baby clothes from her other two children for her upcoming baby. And she was starting to get stressed out. And I said, let's take a break. Let's have a cup of tea. You know, this is, this is not stressful. Like we have all the time in the world, you know, and she's like, no, my baby's coming. And I was like, well, (laughs) no, no, your baby is not coming. And, and if your baby is coming, I am also a certified EMT and I can deliver your baby. (laughs) Let's not get into that either. But, you know, so my goal is to never make these stressful, make it stressful. Organizing should be fun and the result should be transformational. I can imagine for entrepreneurs, this is really transformational because so many entrepreneurs also work from their home. Yes, I do a lot of desks, setting up somebody's like at home desk or at home workstation. So it works well for them. And uh, it is really transformational for people when when they have a, a system. Um, for their life. And they, they're like, oh my goodness, you know, I, I didn't realize I needed a basket on my desk. I didn't realize I needed to have that color coded. I, you know, just drawers and drawer dividers, you know, and things that I just say, oh, that's, you need a drawer divider. And they, they never would have thought of that. <laughs> well, I'm hoping maybe you can elaborate a little bit. What are some of the most common negative impacts of being disorganized in, in the home? So um, stress is definitely one of them. Um, lost time because you're looking for something. Um, so if you've ever lost your keys or your wallet or your shoes, um, or even if you're just, even if you organize your house and it's not in the right way and your shoes are upstairs, but you leave by the front door and that means you have to run upstairs and get your shoes every time you have to leave, that's lost time. So you have to set up your home in an intuitive way. Um, to, for success. Um, so stress and lost time, lost money because you buy things that you already have because you can't find them. So you keep rebuying things. I once worked with a person who organized the, or helped organize their kitchen. And one of the things that we do before we declutter is we categorize. And out of their drawers, we pulled five pairs of kitchen shears out of their drawers right? because she had just kept buying scissors because she couldn't ever find the scissors. And so she just assumed she needed to buy scissors. And being stressed in your house actually can cause you to gain weight. Being stressed can add to cortisol levels in your body, especially for women. So your house can actually make you fat which when I read that, I was, I was like, oh my God, get rid of my stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Take it all. (laughs) So you can reduce anxiety in your home by reducing the amount of things in your home. Your home should be a haven from the stressful world. Yeah. 
That feels so Buddhist when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah, it seeps in there a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like in a beautiful way. Well, what are the most common challenges your clients face with getting organized? You know, why does someone reach out to you? And why is this hard for people to do? Why do people need professional help? The most common reason people reach out to me is because they're perfectionists and they want to do it right. And they're stuck with wanting to do it right and not knowing where to begin. And the other thing that people really struggle with is sentimentality. They have either been gifted something or they've bought something for a life they don't have yet. Right. I've worked with a client who um, keeps saving to buy a house and hasn't bought a house yet, lives in a small condo and keeps buying things for this house that they'll eventually buy. But right now they live in a condo. So they have a house worth of things in their small condo. And when I confront them and say, you don't need 17 wine glasses, you are a single person who lives in a condo who can maybe get five people in here for a party, you know, they say, well, that's going to my house, the house that I haven't purchased yet, but the life that they see for themselves in the future, you know, they're not living there yet, but they can't embrace the life that they're living now. Yeah. And when people are able to work with you and achieve this decluttering and, and get organized, what's the biggest transformation that they experience? I find that a lot of people tell me that the stress is gone. I helped uh, a couple who moved into a house who were totally overwhelmed with renovating the house and they wanted to organize the kitchen because they thought if they got the kitchen under control, they would feel better. And so I came in for a few hours and just totally whipped the kitchen into shape and taught them all these habits around how to keep the kitchen into shape because that's part of what I do. It's sustainable techniques. I don't just come in and, and do it for you. I teach you how to keep it up because if I leave and a week later it goes back, that hasn't helped you. Right. I want you to be able to, to maintain these changes. So I feel like we have to address the Marie Kondo phenomena that has sort of swept the world in the past <laughs> 10 years or yes. so. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about how your system is like or is not like the kind of condo bring you joy method of decluttering. Love me some Marie Kondo. Um, yeah, so I love Marie Kondo. I think if you, I think I get a lot of clients who watch Marie Kondo's TV show and want to work with a professional organizer. I am not certified in her method. So, you know, that's different. I can fold like her and I find her folding very advantageous. Oh, actually, I do too. But I will say one of the things that she says is for you to address your clothes first. And to address your clothes, you have to get every stitch of clothes that you ever owned, including your out-of-season clothes and all of your coats and everything like that from all over the house, take everything out of the drawers and the closet and put it on your bed in one big pile. Do you know how anxiety-producing that is for people? Yeah, that mean, that puts my shoulders up around my ears. Yes, I understand her method. Like, yes, take a look at your clothes and be confronted by the abundance of what you have. But on the other hand, like I was saying earlier, people get decision fatigue. And for whatever reason, if those clothes don't fit anymore, and that's a trigger for those people, if those are sentimental clothes for some reason, what's going to happen is 
you're going to work for an hour. You're going to go through a few of those items of clothes and then you're going to leave. And that pile of clothes is going to sit on the floor for a week. And then what have you achieved? You have an even bigger mess for that client and you've done nothing for them. So I recommend that you lovingly go through your closet, lovingly for your clothes and lovingly for yourself by going through each item. And if you take, if you decide you don't want an item, you take the item out. And if you decide you want to keep the item, you turn the hanger around. That way you have a visual reminder of where you are in the process. So if you have to stop for some reason, if you have to make dinner, if you have to stop because it's so stressful, you can say, oh, I, I stopped at this white blouse. That's where I remember that I was. So do you feel that your spirituality, that your Buddhist practices influence your business? So the name of my business is Bliss This House. Yeah, I believe my spiritual practice does inform my business. I like serving people, helping people. I want to make sure that people are calm, calm in their homes, safe. I think it's all part of the teachings. So what does bliss mean for you in terms of Buddhism? Bliss means happiness um, and, a, and a calm, like that smile that you get on your face when you're meditating. So it's a contented calm. And um, do you find that your clients can also achieve that bliss, at least um, in part, through, through getting organized and decluttering? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I have many happy clients. And I know that the service that I provide really does come with results. Well, and it occurs to me that in, in being able to really see what you do have, it can, bring up, it can bring up gratitude. It can bring up that sense of abundance and that sense of there being enough, that contentment with your physical possessions, but also with the non-tangibles in life. Yeah, absolutely. And being a Buddhist has also changed the way that I see my possessions as well. You know, it, it has gone hand in hand, you know, as, as I've built this business, I've also kind of become deeper, gone deeper into my Buddhism practices. So I've really reassessed a lot of what I possess. I'm by no means a minimalist, but yeah, I'm definitely more frugal. I'm more thoughtful about my purchases. You know, I'm interested in sustainability. You know, I speak with my wallet, you know, those mm -hmm. kinds of things. Yeah, it all goes hand in hand. So when you say you speak with your wallet, what do you mean? Well, I try not to buy products that are one-use products. Try not to buy plastic. I've tried to buy from sustainable companies. And I also try to buy from companies that are doing good in the world. So have a predominance of women on their boards or are doing social work in the community you know, that's, that's what I'm looking for is, is socially conscious. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up as a value that I've certainly experienced tangentially with Buddhist communities. And I'm thinking specifically of when I lived in Chico, California, we were right next to the largest wildfire in California history at that time. And I was volunteering with the mental health county services because they needed clergy. And I was going around to the different centers just for clients who were coming up. And, you know, I go to the Billy Graham Center, no diss on Billy Graham Center, but they wouldn't interact with me because I was a female pastor. They would barely look me in the eye. The Catholic Center was very nice. And I was asking for rosaries and we were giving rosaries out to our clients. 
But the Buddha Center that was there, they were so wonderful. And you walked into their space and I immediately, just like you described, I immediately felt relaxed. They had it arranged very nicely. There were places to sit. And they were giving out grants for $500 to anyone that needed it, which was people, that's what people needed right then. They needed money. And of course, they greeted me as a colleague and as a friend. And so it was a beautiful experience. I always am amazed at the the smiles that Buddhists have. I am always put at ease um, when I go to the Buddhist center. The resident teacher, my teacher, always has a smile on his face. He is the kindest, most gentle man, and he's just genuinely happy. And I just, I love that. You know, they're just happy people. And why wouldn't you want to be part of that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Well, Maria, what would you say is your biggest challenge as an entrepreneur? What has been your biggest challenge? Um, growing my business. You know, I started my business during COVID when a lot of people didn't want someone in their home. So I had to be creative. Um, and, you know, started a blog so that I could still be of service and still get information out there. And then I started my virtual services so that I could still help people. Um, and that was pretty popular. Um, now I'm doing more in-home services, which is great. People are letting me back into their homes. I'm a one-woman show, a small business, and, you know, it's challenge is growth. What are the ways you find to kind of meet that challenge? And is your spirituality part of that? Um, yeah, I have a tenacity about me. Um, when it comes to this business that I haven't had about a lot of other things. Um, This is a very personal thing because I am an entrepreneur. This is my business. Um, So I just keep pushing. Um, I just keep posting on social media and being creative. And I got a business coach and I'm learning from her and I'm taking classes and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm seeking knowledge as a Buddha would in my field to better myself and to be of service to other people. And I think that has a lot to do with my, with my faith. (laughs) It all sounds so resonant, but that, that word service has come up a few times. And so is, is the, is service a, a key part of your expression of Buddhism? Yes, I would, I would say so. You know, I started volunteering for the Buddhist Center here in my community. You know, but service, I think it's funny. Service is a holdover from when I was a Catholic. And the mantra of my college was men and women for others. That's That was what we were taught. And so that has resonated with me. And that's what I continue to do is I continue to be for others. Yeah, so it sounds like there's a, a bit of a union between your past and your present with the service thread. And it's not like service is relegated to only one spiritual tradition or only one religion. It's, it's obviously in most of them. But I love it that that's a thread that has come through for you. So I'm curious, what do you think of when I say being in alignment? And what does that mean to you, if anything? As a yoga practitioner, you know, being in alignment obviously means standing straight, straight back. And with meditation too, you know, they always say one of the, one of the first things that in meditation that they say is, you know, hands in the lap, straight back, you know, align your body with the ground so that you can receive the message. And so that, you know, that's alignment is just lining everything up so that you're your best self. 
And have there ever been times in your business where you felt out of alignment or that the business was out of alignment? Yeah, I was definitely in a place where I would say probably about a year ago, I was willing, to, I was about ready to shut it down. I had gotten a really big client and then she had changed her mind and decided not to do it. And I just saw it as a sign that everything was not working out. I don't get a huge amount of support from my husband for my business. So he's not an entrepreneur. He doesn't quite understand this world. So, uh, you know, he sees the business as a drain. Um, and so, um, wasn't really very supportive of the business. Um, he is now a little bit more that it's making some money and successful, but yeah, it, I've just, I was out of alignment and I was not, I was not doing well. And I was kind of grasping at straws and thinking I'd go in a couple of different directions. And then luckily my business coach said, yeah, don't, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Rain it on in, stick to your goals, you know, remember why you started, settle down. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, I've maintained and endured and it's, it's come out on the other side. So that, yes, business coaches are invaluable in this regard to help keep us in alignment. And I'm curious if, if you had any other practices that helped you get back in alignment. Well, I would definitely say my daily meditation is something that I rely on. It's very important to me. I do practice yoga and I have an altar in my office. and. Um, it's very, it's a very special place and I, you know, can set myself up and still meditate every day. And it's very important to my well-being. What I'm hearing from Maria is how important consistency is in her daily habits for her to keep in alignment. And this led me to two different observations about myself and my alignment that I would love to share with you. The first is how helpful these daily practices really are for our alignment. I'm so appreciative of Maria's observation about this because honestly, it's not my strong suit. I'm good at consistent habits several times a week, maybe even every day, but not at the same time every day, but the consistency is really important. And just because it's a little bit different doesn't mean that it doesn't work. I allow these habits to arise organically depending on my schedule. I might meditate in the morning, I might meditate right after lunch, but if it doesn't happen at all, I know that my alignment is a little bit off or that I'm resisting something. The second observation I have about myself is around ritual. Maria doesn't use that word specifically, but what she describes to me are small rituals that help create a sacred container for our daily practices. Rituals are the containers for our souls to experience to emerge and to evolve. And they may be very simple, like putting away the dishes while the kettle warms water for tea. Or they may be more elaborate, like full moon rituals or participating in communion at church. When we give something the honor of being part of a ritual, we tell the universe that this is important. And putting my daily habits in the container of a ritual definitely helped me and helped my business And I know that they can do the same for you if they're not part of your practice already. How do these relate to alignment? Rituals and daily practices create steadiness. They create that container for us to have our calm moments and our big ideas. They are wonderful barometers for our alignment. When our usual rituals feel a little bit sticky or out of place, or they're more challenging than usual, this can be an indication that we're not in full alignment. 
The rituals and daily practices themselves can actually help us get back into alignment, or they may simply point the way for what needs to change. What do I mean by that exactly? Let me use the example of yoga. Sometimes to get into a yoga position where we're in proper alignment, we have to temporarily get out of alignment to maneuver our bodies into the correct position. And you know, the entrepreneurial life is not really all that different. Sometimes being mildly out of alignment helps us see exactly what we need to do, or we might be out of alignment while we're in the middle of an expansion. This is what our daily practices and the daily rituals that we engage in are so helpful at because they point us towards the new alignment that we need. So I was really curious about Maria's thoughts on daily habits being an important part of cultivating alignment in our lives overall, whether these are spiritual or simply practical, or maybe both at the same time. Yeah, you know, and it's very similar to what I teach my clients as well. You know, I teach five daily habits uh, for your home. So, and it's, it's routines that you should be doing every day in your home to keep your home basically in alignment. You know, it's things like doing the dishes and wiping the countertops. And it seems silly, like, to be reminded to do that, but it's amazing at how many people will let the dishes pile up. And so if you have a personal habit that you want to get started, it's very easy to do that. You just have to, you have to write it down and set a reminder and make it a priority for yourself. So whether it's doing the dishes or if it's doing meditation or if it's journaling or, you know, if it's yoga or you know, whatever it is that you want to do for yourself or for your home, doing those things every day will really make an impact for you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Before we wrap up, um, do you have any advice that you'd like to share with our listeners, Maria? Well, I would say the, my two top tips for organizing your home are to do your dishes every day. Don't let them pile up. And then also schedule a five minute tidy around your house. Uh, maybe once or even twice a day. And you can use um, a reminder on your phone or an Alexa or whatever, and the alarm goes off and you do a quick tidy and you reset your home. And then suddenly it's beautiful again and it's clear and you've put all the dishes away or you've restuffed the pillows or you've cleaned up the toys and then your house can serve you again. That's so wonderful. And I love that your approach is not all or nothing. It's the little sustainable habits. Yes, absolutely. So this is so wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. And what is the best way for people to find you? So I have a website. It's www.blissthishouseblogs.com. You can uh, reach out to me and we can talk about a virtual uh, tidy, or you can read my blog and get inspiration. Um, And then I'm also on Instagram at blissthishouse underscore CT. And I show up on Instagram almost every day with new content. So I'd love to see you there. I'm Katie Valentine, and you've been listening to Soul Savvy Business. Soul Savvy Business is part of the Miracy FM Podcast Network which also includes such shows as Just Between Coaches and Once Upon a Business. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Melissa Deal and Cynthia. Melissa Deal assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer and post-production was by Post Office Sound. 
To make sure you don't miss great episodes coming up on Soul Savvy Business, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like the show, please do give us a starred review. It is the best way to help get these ideas to more people. Thanks, and I will see you next time. Thank you.